welcome to the Top Order Podcast. Well, we said we'd be back in your feed pretty soon, and here we are. I'm standing here resplendent with my countryman's victory in the first test at Chanel. Lippy across the table has got a Canterbury glow as Cam Fletcher saw his boys over the line against CD in the Eliminator final, which sees um, Central Districts eliminated. Canterbury going to play the final against the Firebirds coming up. Um, this weekend we've got heaps more on this week in cricket and of course a wrap-up of everything that's gone on test match wise across this covid ravaged world all coming up after the swish lippy let's start with the super smash you're a happy man yeah great great to see canterbury get across the line i think we um when we were predicting earlier in the week we predicted a canterbury wellington final in, in both comps and i think that's what we've got so yeah, very happy, obviously, to, to be able to say that. But but what a cracking match. I mean, uh, CD, powered by Will Young's 100, uh, which is, you know, you think of him as a test player, really, and then, you know, to go go and get 100 is, is super impressive and, and showing his form in, in the limited over stuff as well, pressing his claim. But, yeah, for Canterbury, 38 for four at one point there, and, and Daryl Mitchell and um, it continues his great season, uh, and Cam Fletcher just coming in with the those big guns, getting him across the line at the end. Yeah, well, look, I guess one thing is we, we saw Baldy and I in person, the quality of the wicket and the speed of the outfield at Eden Park out at Oval in uh, the game on the weekend, which was the Firebirds and the, the Aces, where we saw a record score. Uh, not quite the same sort of scoreboard in this game, but still um, monumental effort really to chase down, particularly from the position um, that the guys are in. I'll admit I went on the Slack channel when um, I saw uh, Canterbury teetering at three for 37 and said, well, it's game over. We're going to be talking about uh, CD in the final. And uh, yeah, I literally just rocked up at podcast and found out that, yeah, a surprise has happened. Yeah, yeah. Ex- you know, as you said, excellent effort. And, and Baldy, uh, it's the Wellington of Wellington Blaze have turned things around in the, the women's comp. Yeah, the Wellington Blaze beating the uh, Auckland Hearts at Eden Park Outer Oval today to qualify for the final against uh, Frankie Mackay and the Canterbury Magicians. Off the back of Amelia Kerr's 54 not out off 44 balls, uh, set up 150 for six, way too much for the Auckland Hearts to, to chase down, and they finished at 115 for seven. Uh, Katie Perkins, the top scorer for Auckland, with 46 in, in a good effort from her, uh, but they're the, the Hearts were just dominated by, by a superior team in, in Wellington, and the best two teams will meet in the final. Yeah, I think you're right there in saying that, and I, and I think probably in, in both comps, uh, they've they've Canterbury and Wellington have been the best two teams. It's great to see them there in the final. It's going to be really hard to go past those two Wellington sides, but yeah, we're set up for for a cracking uh, a cracking competition and for both of them, and and great that it's at the basin that captures both of those because obviously today uh, was at Eden Park, mm. which for them you know there was only one. One of the four teams was Auckland, so yeah, probably not the ideal result, but at least uh, getting it round the grounds and things. It's and you just mentioned Frankie Mackay. Great to see her back in the White Ferns setup, uh, and the the squad's just been named for the the England ODIs. And yeah, obviously she's had a great great season mm. uh, this year. And um, yeah, as she when she talked to us, she talked about how she really wanted to get back and how much that that uh, you know that black jumper meant to her mm. and. Yeah, I guess the downside for us is we probably won't get to hear her on the commentary, uh, which is which is a bit of a shame. But um, I did see her say the other day at, on Twitter that uh, you know she could just make sure she's mic'd up all the time and that'd be good. Yeah, talk while she's that'd, in the that'd field. Be so fantastic. Hopefully, uh, she's done it with bat and ball. She's been amazing. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Divine Kerr and Kerr for Wellington against that Canterbury side. That Canterbury side's been awesome all season, but to have those those girls in the bowling attack. Uh, it'll be, I think it'll be a really even contest. So, uh, Basin Reserve, 12.10 for the women, 4 o'clock for the men this Saturday. So, if you're in the greater Wellington area, get on down to the Basin. It'll be a great day's 2020 cricket. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll come on to it, but the England girls have arrived in New Zealand as well. They're training down in Queenstown. Um, and look, I think that they're going to really enjoy it. You know, obviously coming from uh, the UK where there's snow on the ground, there's quarantine, there's uh, isolation, there's lockdown and all that kind of stuff. They've said it's just a privilege to be in a position where once that you know they've got through all of the things that they need to do they you know they're going to be able to kind of get about and you know visit cafes and restaurants and and hopefully that'll mean that that pressure's sort of taken off on, off the on the field as well and mm. um, we're going to see it you know some cracking cricket um, over the course of the you know the next month or so because there's lots coming up isn't there yeah, going to be uh, a good series through march um, both men's and women so yeah really looking forward and just hoping that the new zealand weather holds we've had a a fantastic summer um, and yeah just fingers crossed that we can eke out another six weeks or so of sunshine to to get this cricket played 
So we're going to move on now um, and talk some series around the world. Raj is desperate for a swish, so we're going to have one of those first, but we will be back um, to talk about all the goings-on in the Test Match world. We're back after the swish. Um, just for those who don't know, the swish happened, you know, relatively real time. But um, and we're yeah, we're chatting away again. Where are we going to start, guys? I think we we, we have to start. I think um, Bangladesh West Indies. And um, from an individual performance thing, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about another double hundred. In fact, I know we will. Oh, um, I, has I, there been I, another double hundred? I can't recall. But yeah. But um, Kyle Mayers is uh, yeah going to be the name on most West Indian uh, lips. And he's got a cracking little story. He made his first last debut, I think, back in 2012. Almost disappeared out of the game and then um, had a stellar season a couple of years ago in the domestic um, competition. But 240-odd runs on debut. His average is uh, over double that of Bradman's. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, look, what a fairy tale for him um, to, yeah, to get that 200 and, and chase down a... Um, a record target hasn't like 2020 21 since like the start of last year haven't there been some tremendous narratives in the world of cricket i mean they just they just keep serving them up for us to talk about this is fantastic from from kyle myers west indies had no right to win that test match um and kyle myers has come out and play the innings of pretty much all their lifetimes you would imagine mm-hmm. um and won them the test match and and they and they referenced the 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 letter um i think it was from clive lloyd um yeah 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 in the yep, lead up to the series on. this is your opportunity now to take you know grasp that that jersey and make it your own and do yourselves proud because this isn't a first choice west indian side kyle myers is probably until now not a first choice west indian player yep. but now yep. he's he's gone well now you've got to take the jersey off me now and, and full credit to him he's been fantastic in this test match yeah, he was on the, the tour to New Zealand, but played mainly in the AE stuff um, all through the Test Series. Made it, Played a couple of T20s, uh, made his debut in, in that format. Mm. But yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned it. They had at least six first-class, first-choice guys out. It's it's a tremendous effort. And I mean, is it is it actually that hard to win away from home now? Because I mean, what, what's going on? They, all these teams keep winning away from home. Well, the, the thing actually that I keep forgetting about the West Indies is they've played what, three back-to-back away series yeah, going incredible. around the world in a, in a time where they need to be quarantined and, and bubbles. So this is incredible, I feel, from a, from that perspective, having that fight to win. You mentioned the letter, was it from Clive Lloyd? I think it was Clive Lloyd that wrote um, it to them, yeah. And with first-class players or first-choice players missing as well, I thought it was a really important win for the psyche of West Indies cricket. Uh there is the the, the spectre, I'll, I'll use the word spectre, hanging over that they, they were outplayed for the majority of that game. I remember reading an article there from, from one of the Bangladeshis, his name's escaped me at the moment, where he was just talking about how he never thought he, they were going to lose that game at mm. any stage. Mm. And then all of a sudden... Yeah, well, but I think you're right there in that it's going to be such a morale boost because they were like absolutely demolished, really, in those three ODIs. Yes, it's a yes. They're you know I, I suppose seen as kind of their second eleven almost for for some of those guys. We've talked about the depth in West Indian cricket. You know, it, it's been a problem for them recently. But mm. but to get a win like this, you know, going into the second test, I think even even if they do end up losing it, it's going to be a, a boost for them to just show like this is kind of what we can do. And it, and it was guys that you know the Kyle Mayers, the the Bonner who's gone in there and scored 88 on debut he's 32 year old 32 year old debutant 86 i think it was actually on on debut you've got someone like josh de silva who's just making his way in the game who actually played a really important role in that in that that chase chase. he Mm. he um as they were going along he was kind of uh he'd come in and it was sort of that decision that you make you know are we going to keep chasing this because it's really cornwall on the tail kind of behind me should we keep going but what he did is kind of played that anchor role he made twenty out of an out of a, a partnership of a hundred, and and uh, and Mayer kept going, which was super brave to particularly in, in that situation. Because if they'd have come away with a draw, you'd have we'd have still been talking about it as a good effort. But I mean, to chase down almost four hundred away from home in the subcontinent in the fourth innings, you know, you can't go past that. Incredible. Yeah, look, and I'm sure we'll come on to it when we talk about the declaration or um, lack of from Joe Root. Um, um, that you know, mm. Bangladesh have kind of given the West Indies, a, you know, that that sniff. And I think 
Um, I think we are going to see teams be more cautious now, um, you know, particularly when we're seeing some of those, um, you know, those wickets sort of not really deteriorate to the level that we think that they're going to over the course of a test match, um, staying pretty flat. And the advent of T20 meaning teams can attack, uh, attack and, mm. and, and probably more counter attack, can't they? And, yeah, yeah. And, and, and take that right option. You know, gone are the days really of, you know, not seeing slog sweeps and reverse sweeps and things that you would reserve for one day cricket. You're mm. seeing players be able to do that in a test match arena to get pressure back on a bowler mm. um so yeah look big ups to yeah to, to mayors and um yeah it was nice as well to see uh good old rakeem um in the wickets as well so um yeah got a, a little threefer with the with the new nut which is uh yeah which is good bit of bounce um which is which was nice to see and josh de silver as well a valuable shot in the first innings as well and we've we've uh we've said we thought he's looked a good, he's cricketer. A good cricketer yeah yeah um, for the for the bang on the bangladesh side i think uh, if I if I was them, I think you're you're looking at this game and you're going like fair play to yeah. Kyle Mayer, aren't you? I mean, I, I think as you mentioned, Raj, they played the better cricket the whole time, mm. and sometimes these things happen. I, I feel like you could you could dig deep and and really go and be really demoralised that you've lost this game, or it's one that you could just go look. You know, sometimes these things happen, and you know we've actually had a hundred in each innings from different players. We've had. Decent performances with with the ball in the first innings to restrict the West Indies. You've seen guys like Shakib put, putting his hat back in the ring and and getting in the runs. Yeah, I, I think it's something where you just you just move on, don't you? You've seen a couple of instances of that. The one that comes to mind is the Pakistan game where Mitchell Santana took the last mm. wicket uh, here in New Zealand. That was one. Also, if if Pakistan had got there, you go they batted well, they deserved that. Uh, so I, you know, I completely agree with you. I don't know. Well, Binksy learned a new saying on Monday at the Super Bowl. You got it. What is it? Risk it to get the biscuit. Yeah, no risk it, no biscuit. Yeah. So look, I think that that's part of the game. They they had the carrot out there, and West Indies put together a record run chase. Yeah, you know what exactly. are you going to do? Yeah. So I think that I don't think you can blame Bangladesh too much. You've got to take the positives away. I, I think it's actually good captaincy. You've risked losing the game to try and win the game, and this is the one game in sixty that you lose trying to trying to do that. So fair enough. I think you've got to declare and give the opportunity for your bowlers to win you the game and give the opposition enough of a carrot that they're going to go after it. And they were good enough. Fair play to them. I'm not sure the, the Bangladeshi media and uh, public will agree no, with they you. Won't. Buddy, but no, they won't. But from a from a genuine like third-party cricket perspective, oh, that's absolutely. what you want to see. Exciting. Yeah, exactly. you, you want to see gutsy declarations. I do. As long as it's not your team. Yeah, fair enough. Um, we'll hop not too far away and, and go and cover um, Pakistan, South Africa. So South Africa's disappointment at their series in Australia um, being called off compounded really um, yeah, with defeats um, to Pakistan who are looking like they're piecing together a reasonable little unit with um, yeah some, some quality players and a lot of what looks like from the outside team spirit and, and camaraderie Mohammed Rizwan, I think has been um, one of the key architects of that scored a, you know, very important hundred in that, uh, that second innings, but yeah, good, good victory for, for Pakistan and particularly given they've got test cricket back on their shores as well, which is a big thing for them. Yeah, but it's it certainly the results in the series have has certainly made me feel good about kind of the, the eye test that we had when we were talking about Pakistan, both in England and when they were here in, in New Zealand, because I feel like we've been saying it for a little while now, Pakistan do have like the core of a good side, and but the results just haven't been there yet. And, you know, maybe that's because they were playing two very good sides in, in England and New Zealand away in their home conditions. And now we've kind of seen, seeing it come to fruition. Mm. Yeah, excellent, excellent win for Pakistan, and particularly kind of... Um, the coaching staff who were under a lot of pressure, you know, after that New Zealand, there was all the big review and all that kind of stuff. And then now they, they go home and have a, a nice comfortable, uh, in many ways two two nil win. Mm. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you. I, I've been the biggest sort of detractor from the Pakistani bowling lineup. And it's only cause they've got so much talent and they haven't been, um, been, been, it hasn't come to fruition, uh, in terms of the results. There is something in here from, from the notes that I want to, bring up, I think it's yours, Stu, uh, around the bowlers bowling teams to victory and, and being different bowlers all throughout the, the fourth innings. Mm. 
Yeah, very, very, very impressive, I think. And that's that kind of shows that the depth they had, because you've often said, you know, if Yusea's not taking wickets, if he's not bowling well, then their attack kind of crumbles. But I actually think um, Shaheen's becoming, he's becoming the leader of that attack now. Yep. Uh, he's bowl, He's been bowling really, really well all, all year, or, you know, all, all 2020, all 2021. And yeah, I think taking the taking charge and the way that, you know, no man came in and, and took five for in the first test and the fact that it was that first test, it was two spinners that bowled them to victory. And in the second test, it was two seamers. And, it, you know, that probably shows a little bit of uh, the different conditions that we now see sometimes in, in Pakistan. What impact do we think that, I guess, the not-so-open secret that this was really de Kock holding the fort with the captaincy for this series only and they're going to be moving on from him has had an, an impact on that South African camp? Do you think it would have made a difference in the in the context of this short series? Well, I, I kind of find that situation a bit weird now, and particularly that he's struggling for runs and almost the, the fact... I mean, I can understand that you don't necessarily want the captaincy. It's a distraction. You don't feel like you're a leader and that, that kind of stuff. I can definitely understand that from a, a you know a personal point of view. But it's it's an honour, isn't it, to be given the captaincy of your country and to kind of say, I don't really want it and, and sort of almost act like you don't want it feels, I, I don't know, it doesn't feel, doesn't sit that well with me. Yeah, in a short answer to your question, Binksy, I think that South Africa have just been outplayed irrelevant of who's on the park uh, on both sides. Pakistan's played the better cricket. But I do find it interesting you've brought up De Kock because I do want to put a spotlight on De Kock, mainly because I wanted to say that sentence. <laughs> but overall, his overall record in Test Match cricket isn't actually that great. So since I think his overall record's about 37, his average. He scored 3,000 runs in 50 matches. Um, since 2017... He's played 37 games and he's only scored three hundreds, mm. averaging in the low 30s. I guess as a captain as well, we've spoken about him as a captain. It's a small sample size. He's only averaging 12. But if we compare that against someone like Tim Payne, who who we seem to you know put the boot into him a little bit, they've got pretty much similar numbers going going across there over the last three or four years. Mm. So look, I, I think that to me it seems simple. I think. De Kock just needs a little bit of a rest. I mean, when I say a rest, I mean he's expected to keep wicket. He's expected to captain. He's expected to bat in the top five. His average at number seven is 44. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and across all three formats as well. Yeah, well, his white, ball, his white ball credentials can't be questions. I think they're very good. But as a red ball cricketer, I think he's just been asked to do too much. Mm. Need some help. Baldy, um, before we move on, surely you want to at least say Shaheen Shah Afridi at least once. I don't. Before, I don't feel I need. On. No, I don't feel I need to. Contractually, uh, Stuart's taking care of that for me this evening. I was impressed with Fahim Ashraf again. I know I keep talking about him, but he was excellent. Uh, scored runs in the first test. Played the holding role as a bowler. They need that guy that can come in and and kind of hold for them. And he and they he did that in both tests. Um, batting lower order batting tremendous from Pakistan. You know we saw South Africa lose seven for thirty three. Uh, to lose that second test. But in the first test and the first innings, you know, those last four or five batsmen for, for um, Pakistan all got run. So, you know, Yunus Khan doing a tremendous job as the batting coach. Uh, Wakar and the bowling coach is doing a tremendous job as well. They are well-coached, well-rounded outfit, Pakistan, and they're going to be incredibly tough with two spinners to beat in home conditions. I'm really looking forward to seeing them play more. I just, I just wanted to pick up a point which we were talking about earlier with the South African captaincy, and I remember we... Um we had a discussion with uh, Fidos Munda earlier on and she was talking about who's, who is there to lead South Africa. Mm. We're starting to see some runs come from that top order. Bavuma's getting a few scores. He hasn't got that big hundred yet. Mm. Uh, Makram got a nice hundred in that, in yep. that fourth innings. Yep, he was impressive. So what do you think, what do you think starting to happen there? I think they've just got decisions to make as well, you know, around a lot of things, don't they? Because they've, they've also got, you know, guys like De Kock who hasn't performed in the series, someone like Faf who, you know, again struggled in the series. They've just got a lot of questions around South Africa in general. And, you know, the, the way that um, Fadose kind of outlined the captaincy credentials for, for each of them, none of them have really an ironclad case. And, mm. and it seems like, it seems to me like if they're going to go with basically who's kind of guaranteeing themselves a spot then maybe Markram's the the one that they kind of look to and, and to build on. But, you know, it, it feels like he's sort of just establishing himself in that side and then you're going to end up in the same situation as how de Kock feels, that 
he's then going, oh, well, I'm just getting myself in and establishing myself as a test cricketer and now I've got too much on my plate. I think the thing has got to come from the desire to want the captaincy as well. Mm -hmm. I think a captaincy, whether or not from a runs perspective, it does you any favours, can sometimes actually be the making of you to an extent. Um, You know, if you look at Kane Williamson as an example of that, obviously his batting record is without reproach. I feel as if his batting has improved because of the pride and the the fact that he wants to captain his country. Um, Joe Root's been criticised in terms of his captaincy affecting his batting, um, and the stats would suggest that that's the case. But again, when you listen now to the way the players talk about him as a leader and the ethos that he's created in that side post Alistair Cook, um, I think, again, um, he's showing that sort of leadership credential. And the, the final thing I'd say, and I'm reading bizarrely um, Ian Botham's um, autobiography, an updated version of it that actually I got off you, Baldy. I'm about sort of two thirds of the way through. And one of the chapters is around um, some advice that he got as a 23, 24 year old from Brian Close, who was a former England captain, who said, and uh, was very close to Botham and his family, don't take the captaincy. You'll get it again at another stage. Mm. And Botham said, well, I. This is something you can't turn down. It's, you know, it's the pinnacle. And um, most listeners probably won't sort of re- remember it, um, probably in terms of the, the, the same feelings I have about it because he was one of my idols growing up. But he got pilloried um, because he played against Australia in West Indies and they got their asses handed to them. And, and ultimately it, it led to him resigning um, and the, the chairman of selectors famously saying, well, if he hadn't resigned, we'd have sacked him anyway. Mm. And that was a different era. But I think you have to have that pride to want to do the captaincy. The minute you're questioning whether or not you want the role, um, I, I just don't see how you're going to command the respect of your dressing room um, and your country ultimately as well. And I mean, talking about the media criticism, South Africa, that word choke came up again when they were going into this, you know, after after this game. How do we feel about that? Because, you know, they're chasing 370 in the fourth innings of a game. They were incredibly well placed. Markram there on 100, Bavuma not out on 50, and they were 240 for three, which does, you know, it's not long to go with a, a, a bit of depth in the batting lineup to come. Yeah, where do we stand on that? Uh, for me, I think that that, that was a, a very high run chase, fourth innings, subcontinent. I think that they did well to get to, to where they are. And it just, I think you mentioned also to me earlier that um, Ali, was it, bowled really well mm. in that fourth inning. So, yep. you know, they were set a target. They had a really good go at it. Maybe another if they had another go at it, they would they would get there from that position, mm. losing, what was it, seven, seven wickets and 10 overs? 33 and 10, yeah. Uh, yeah. But th- on this occasion, I don't think that, that they have anything to feel uh, that I, they choked about it. I think the other factor is that the game just really does. I know it's a cliche, but the game really does accelerate on a – um, you know, a late day pitch in, um, in the subcontinent. Um, and if you look at that collapse, it happened after the second new ball. You know, mm. it, they were three down, 80 overs gone, and then it's, it literally was bangity, bangity, bang. Mm. Um, and and they, they obviously lost, yeah, lost a lot of wickets in a very big cluster. But I think you've got to look at the, um, you know, the factors that were there. The choke thing as well for me, you look, it's nice to talk about it, isn't it? <laughs> um, but, uh, when it comes to South Africa. But I think that, you know, the other component is here that, of course, we were talking about them choking in the context of actually being in some very, very good positions. We talk about that World Cup in 99 where Herschel famously dropped the World Cup. Um, this isn't a choking situation. This is a, a, a relatively inexperienced top order that have actually put themselves in a reasonable position um, to chase down a total that probably you would have given them no hope of getting to and they've, they've made a reasonable fist of it and then it's just uh, yeah, all turned to custard with that second new ball. Yeah, and and good good to mention Hassan Ali there. I remember watching the first, you know, he he'd been brought back into the side after um, Muhammad Asif was um, was dropped, and you know he you know he'd been out of the side for a little bit. He comes in that first session of the first test. He bowled like garbage. He bowled a lot of four balls. He was getting hit all over the place. You know, he's going for five or six and over, and then to turn that round within the series and bowl the the series defining spell. Yeah, hats off to him, eh? Well done. So, look, I think that wraps up this little segment of the pod. We are going to be back after the swish um, to talk about England and India. 
So we're back, and obviously the England um, India conversation deserves its own segment, which is why um, it's here. Or uh, uh, only because you're hosting the the show. Well, no, it's only because Baldy's just wound me up and said, "Well, Adam will talk for twenty minutes about England, and I, <laughs> I, I, I will take that challenge." You shall, on. yeah. You, you, um, when you've got the opportunity, go for it. But look, jokes aside, fantastic Test match, great start to the series. Probably unexpected if you're a neutral. I think would be fair uh, to say. What did we make of it? Um, and when I say we, I'll let you go, and then it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, we all predicted that India would would dominate this series, didn't we? I mean, when we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago, we were thinking, you know, England England just kind of wouldn't have enough firepower, maybe, with the ball, and and that India's batting would be would be too strong. But I mean, should we have seen this coming? How did we get this so wrong? I guess. So look, I think that the toss was a crucial toss to win. But in saying that, you had to execute. England had some tough periods to get through on that first day where they looked to be really struggling for runs and then they weathered it. And then India made, I feel, a, a really massive faux pas when they bowled Nadeem and um, Washington Sunder in, 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 in tandem. You saw the, the pressure just get released mm. and the two English batsmen just start hitting boundaries. I think there was at one stage they'd only hit nine boundaries and we saw them hit the next five or six in very quick succession when those two came on and it just released the pressure. I think in general, if you were to look at this test and go, well, what was the difference, difference between the two sides? I think England just, just owned the pressure moments. You've got to give it to them for that. Joe Root's outstanding. Isn't he in a great vein of form? I know I know you want to talk about... I'm not going to talk about Joe Root much more. I'm going to let you go, Adam, and talk about Joe Root. But the support that they got that he got from, from first from Sibley and then from Stokes allowed England to bat first and effectively bat once in the Test match. I know they technically batted twice, but they effectively batted once and made India chase the game the whole time, which if you win the toss in the subcontinent and you bat first, you have to do. You have to bat big in the first innings and make your opponent chase the game. And they did a tremendous job doing that. I thought Jofra Archer bowled excellent, um, excellent spells to put the Indian batsman under pressure and allow Jimmy Anderson to do incredible Jimmy Anderson-like things. Um, in over 100 test matches and over 600 wickets, I think we've seen the best Jimmy Anderson over that we're ever likely to see. That was just incredible the way he had masterful control over that reverse swing uh, to knock over the off and middle stumps time and again. And Adam, to your point, the, the stumps were just watered enough so that they cartwheeled everywhere <laughs> and it was fantastic viewing. Look, England were just too good. Um, they won They won a crucial toss. They, they played excellently. Dom Bess and Jack Leach, I thought, were, were fantastic for England. They've been put under a lot of pressure by the Indian batsman, Punt in particular. I think you could be forgiven if you're Jack Leach after that um, onslaught that he got uh, from Punt for, for going back into your shell. But he actually did the job for England in the second innings and bowled them effectively to victory on that, on that final day. So all round, an excellent, excellent English performance. Um, yeah, uh, look, I we'll we'll come back. I I just want to say we'll come back to those spinners because I think there's a lot to unpack around spin and and how we all how both sides kind of dealt with spin and and how the spinners bowled. But yeah, you, like you say, absolutely perfect blueprint for for Test cricket the way that England did that. And over to you, Binksy. You can wax lyrical for as long as you want. Hey, look, I I actually don't want to necessarily wax lyrical for too long. I do want to pick up on a couple of points though that have been made, um, Raj and and, and Baldy as well. I think if I look at this holistically, with the exception of Dan Lawrence, who had two relatively low scores, and look, he's a young guy making his way um, in the game, pretty much everyone in this England lineup has, has contributed um, to this victory in a really, really meaningful way. Um, Burns and Sibley, you know, weren't really concerned with that sort of scoring rate. Um, seeing the shine off that new ball, which was really, really important um, in the context of the, what turned out to be a game that was about, um, to be honest, a new ball and then one fantastic spell from Jimmy Anderson with the old ball where he got it to reverse and really just ripped India um, India apart. But right down that order, I think Root you know, goes that saying 218, what a legend and, and a rich vein of form. I think Stokes coming in, he didn't you know, necessarily look super authoritative, but the positive intent... Um, so he did look authoritative in terms of his result, but his method was, you know, it, it looked as if it could all go wrong at, at, at one point. Mm. Um, but the way he came out and played that aggressive role, because um, I think as an Englishman going to bed at the end of uh, day one, when Sibley was out in that last over, I thought, well, holy, you know, holy crap, they've got a relatively new ball. They could just go bang, bang, bang in the morning and this is a different game. 
Um, but yeah, definitely Stokes's impact, um, I think, made that um, yeah sort of a little bit of an easier pill um, to swallow um, for England. I do want to pick up on the toss. It's important to win the toss in India. We know it's important to win the toss in the India. Bordy said we've put the runs on the board. I get it. But I still think India have missed a real, real trick in that first innings. That wicket had no demons whatsoever until, for me, probably day four. Mm. And so I, I think that, that, you know, they could have got a lot closer to India. We're playing the same uh, same venue. Um, I would suggest that the Greys may have not been able to get as much preparation into a, a pitch for a back-to-back test match when a test match has been going on. He's you know going to have three days to put his final um, touches to that. But to Baldy's point, I really want to talk to you guys, um, Baldy um, and Lippy. Raj, you know, you can chip in because I've seen your off-spin. It's, you know, handy <laughs> as. Um, but the England spinners have got a little bit of criticism um, for the way that they bowled and perhaps those actual wicket columns and results at the end of the day flattering a little bit um, to deceive. Leach got taken apart in that first innings and yes, resilience and all that kind of stuff um, to come back. Don Bess in the second innings could barely pitch two deliveries in the same spot. It was long cop, full toss, long cop, full toss, interspersed with a jaffa, mm-hmm. um, which you know is relatively difficult to play. We, I'm sure we've also come to that particular trick, um, <laughs> not least when uh, you know facing Raj in the nets, for example. <laughs> but you know, what did you genuinely think about the, those two spinners, and can they actually bowl like that for the next three games and England get away with it? Yeah, it's it's super interesting one because I, I think um, I'll touch just on the, those individual performances first because I think there's another sort of element to this on how the batsmen played against the English batsmen played against spin and the Indian batsmen played against spin I think was very different as well and had a big impact on how things went for them. But Bess, I mean, Leach, Leach, I don't have a huge problem with the fact that he got smashed uh, by Rishabh Punt. I mean, Rishabh Punt is a quality batsman a quality attacking batsman. We saw him take apart Nathan Lyon. We saw him, we've seen the fact that he can do this. You know, it's it's not something that's exclusive to Jack Leach. And I was actually very surprised, you know, as that was going on, you, you go on Twitter or you go on any sort of social media and they're just calling for the end of Jack Leach, Leach's career. It's like, hold on here. This is like one spell. And, you know, you mentioned resilience. I, I think it was hugely resilient to come out and, do what he did in the second innings and the balls that he bowled to get Pujara and Rohit were just like, they're just absolute peaches. You dream about those kind of things. So I think Leach can feel relatively happy. And I think in, in the way that Leach generally bowls, you, he's a kind of guy who has shown he can hold up an end. I mean, punt, it was clear that punt said, okay, I'm going to go out and target you. Even Pujara really batted more aggressively than we've seen him bat in, in Australia. And, they were trying to, I guess, lessen the impact of those guys. So, yeah, I, I would feel pretty good if I was Jack Leach. Don Bess, maybe not so much because, yeah, he, he just bowled some absolutely terrible deliveries. I think the thing with him that England are going to have to decide is that he's 23 years old and he can bowl those wicket-taking balls. So I think it's just worth sticking with him, particularly when you win the first test and you can you can do that kind of stuff. But you're going to want him to be able to bowl much better than than he did. Just a side note, R. Ashwin took nine wickets in that match. It took six for opening the bowling in the second innings, took three for in the first innings. Most wickets by a spinner in that match. And he, he doesn't really get a mention in dispatches. That One, that's how good he is, that he can take nine for and be kind of anonymous in the context of the test match. But he is just, he's an incredible bowler, R. Ashwin. In, incredible bowler. And I think Bess... He should be aspiring not to bowl like Nathan Lyon, but to bowl like Ashwin as much as he can. He, he does turn the ball. He does try and bowl wicket-taking deliveries. Okay, he's going to go for a four ball. Stuart McGill went for a four ball, still got 200 test wickets. He, he has got to try and keep doing what he's doing and trust that it's going to work for him. Trust that the process that's got him there is going to keep him there. And you look, it, all he has to do is look at the guy at the other end who got belted for 55 off eight overs and came back and took four wickets and one inside the test match. To go, okay, yeah, that's that's the methodology and the resilience that I have to follow. If if we're talking about Don Bess, I think what you know, you say he he should go and look to be you know uh, an Ashwin instead of Lion in India, in, 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 in India. Yeah, I I would say that what what he needs to do is 
I think, and I think we need to keep it in perspective that he's he's at the start of his career, and those guys are near near the end of their careers in terms of how the control that they have. And what Nathan Lyon, I'll keep going back to this chat he had with how on the Howie Games podcast because it was really insightful in the way that he talked about his bowling, and he basically said that he just he just thinks bowl your best ball, bowl your best ball, bowl your best ball, and and even now still thinks about that. And I think that's what Don Best is going to have to keep in his mind that. You just have to run in. When you're at this point in your career, you don't have to like do all the the things that Ashwin and Lyon have developed, like bowling the overspinner. And I mean, Ashwin's got all sorts of different variations. He still works on his game. That's incredibly impressive. But Best just has to run in, bowl his best ball over and over and over again, and then you know once he establishes himself as an absolute frontline spinner, he can then he's he's got the talent clearly to then grow yeah and, and look not to, for one second to compare Don Best to Shane Warne but uh, that was a, a similar comment that Richie Benno made to to, to Warne early in his career mm. um, his advice was go away and work on just bowling a brilliant leg break um, and he said he thought Warne would take two years and he did it in three months and, and came back and was able to do that but to your point particularly in India where the wickets are going to offer that assistance if you run up and put the ball in the right area often enough even a Rishabh Pant who is absolutely yep. after you is going to get one with his name on at some point. And that's kind of what I mean about how Ashwin yeah. bowls, is he puts enough balls in the right yeah. area and he's attacking the batsman all the time. And he doesn't care if he gets swept for four by Joe Root 15 times in an innings. He's going to go, oh, I'm going to get you out next ball. I'm going to get you out next ball. I'm just going to keep putting the ball in the in the right areas until the batsman makes a mistake or the ball does something a little bit different and boom, there I go. I, need, I do that two or three times. I've got three for maybe four for if a batsman makes a mistake. So there's plenty to like from Don Best and I'd, I'd stick with him. And to your point about the spinners and you know your ball having a ball having your name on it eventually, I think Ravi Jadeja missing, missing was, was massive mm-hmm. for Huge. India. Over the years, or over the last few years, their pace bowlers have done that damage up front. Mm. It didn't happen this time. There was no safety net to fall back on, and the the players that came in uh, on this occasion didn't didn't do the job in that first innings and, and let England get away. Do you do you mean Sundar Raj or do you mean um, N- do you mean Shabazz Nadine? I think I think both of them. I think they did not fulfil the same role that Ravi Jadeja would have. With, with the ball, you with mean, yeah. Well, Jadeja's stats with the ball are unreal the last yeah. few he's years. I think he's, he's massively underrated as a I, bowler. I also think England would have breathed a massive sigh of relief when, um, relief, sorry, I should say, when Coley handed in his team sheet and, and, and Cool Deep wasn't on it. Because yep. if you'd have asked them who they didn't want to face out of Nadeem and Cool Deep, I guarantee you they'd have been saying, yeah, we'll face Nadeem all day. Um, yeah. They've, they've seen that Sri Lanka series, haven't they, and seen the success Imboldini has had and thought Nadim can just come in and, and do the same job, but it just didn't work. Yeah, and it seems really weird to be talking about a threefer, um, and I'm I'm probably not the right person to talk about this, but, you know, there was some real plaudits flying around for that spell from Anderson. I, 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 I'm too close to it. I, I, you know, obviously think he's the greatest of all time from an England perspective as a seamer. Was, was it really that good a spell? Well, it was it was a game changing over. I think the over's the the one that, to me, that they they were looking quite comfortable at that point. India, I mean, they you know they weren't going to win the test, but I, it looked like they were making batting look relatively easy. And then it, those two wickets, he just I, I think it was all over, wasn't it? I, after that, they they were just it was just like you said, the best over of seam you could hope for. Can I borrow a word, Raj? Yeah, sure. Momentum. It changed the momentum of that of that batting innings. Shubman Gill, when he was dismissed, 50 off 83, striking at over 60 in a run chase. That's that's what you want. And then and you've got you've got Coley in there at the time, I believe. Yeah, he was he was he was at the other end. Coley's at the other end. And then you've got Rahane, who was the hero in Australia and made all those runs and and, and helped set up victories with with fighting hundreds and, and all that sort of stuff. And Anderson gets reverse swing to go in past the bat of two guys who've got a pretty good front front press. That's that's just that's that's game defining stuff. It's just incredible, and for that alone, I think that's that's worth it. Price and of admission. I, and I think we've we've spoken about it a little bit, and and it's the narrative to it as well. Jofra Archer didn't take those wickets. The other bowlers, Leach, Best, they didn't take those wickets at that time. It's not an accident that James Anderson stood up and took those wickets. Yeah. Mm. Um, and he got punt. Exactly. So I, look, it's not it's not an accident that someone 
came through at that clutch moment and it was James Anderson. So yep. from from that perspective, I don't think yeah. it's I, too I think, much. I think, to, I think in the context, 92 for two in the chase, Anderson comes on and Anderson makes it 110 for five, game yeah. over. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we move on to selection dilemmas, probably for both sides for different reasons, India needs to probably wrestle themselves back into the series. Um, England having to make some enforced changes due to flights home already having been booked for Joss Butler. I do just want to ask Baldy a frivolous question. Um, did Nathan Lyon get absolutely champed with this jersey thing? Because I noticed that Joe Root made his way to 100 tests in this game um, and I didn't see the Indian team come out and present him with a signed shirt at the Man of the Match ceremony. And there was there was several awards. There was a speedboat for Ben Stokes for his catch. There was a you know a helicopter ride for um, Ashwin for his nine for. There was the you know KFC moment of the match for uh, one of the umpires for you know dislodging both bales at tea adeptly. But no no shirt for uh, no shirt for Ruti. You'd have to ask the Indian team why they didn't present I, Joe Root. I, I no, want to no, ask no, you your okay. opinion. Well, maybe maybe, maybe the Indian team have a massive respect for what Nathan Lyon has achieved in a cricketer for his 100 tests. No, that can't no, be No, it. I don't that think that's it. it. <laughs> okay. Well, if you put your anti-Australian bias away for just a little bit, um, both 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 cricketers have, have achieved a hell of a lot and both deserve some kind of recognition. I thought it was a classy gesture by India to present it to Nathan Lyon. It's now been construed as, being, as taking the piss out of him, but I don't <laughs> think that's necessarily the case. Um, but yeah, Joe Root should have got one too. Maybe he did in in a, in a private moment, maybe after in the dressing room, with not perhaps as much show uh, on offer that he got one. And let's hope he did. So I, I've got I've got some theories for you. Oh, yeah. and, and, <laughs> and, and the thing is that I think that I think that this opens up a much bigger question, which I don't think we want to go down uh, down that line at this stage. But oh, let's. There's there was two different styles of leadership in those two games. So you had Rahani, who I believe was being genuine. The Indians were genuinely giving Nathan Lyon a recognition for, what, for, for his achievements playing 100 games. Then you switch back to Virat Kohli, who's got a very different style of leadership. Mm. Although very, he did help Root with a cramp in his... He did. That, yeah, he did. That. Um, maybe that's why they didn't give him a shirt. He said, you know, I've sorted out your cramp. I'm not, not getting yeah, you a shirt. Yeah, maybe he gave it then. Um, but no, <laughs> it's just, I, I think that it's a very different style of leadership. It's the start of a series where the India are in in, going to be in your face because they yeah, want to win. Maybe, maybe at the end of the series, they, they give him one because it was the last test when Lyon got his, right? It was the end of the last test. So maybe perhaps Lyon's last test as well. Ah, <laughs> oh, steady on. The, the controversial line we don't want to go down is that this is why people are saying, that perhaps there needs to be change in leadership uh, in the Red Bull in, in, in the Red Bull Ooh. game. That's uh, a very controversial line to go down, uh, but it is another reason why people say that you know maybe there needs to be a change. Maybe there needs to be a change in the style of cricket that India play. Um, that's 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 clearly coming from an outside source, Raj. Are you buying that at all? That that line of thing because that's not that's not you, that's they're not words from your mouth that's that's an external thing that you're kind of picking up on right are you buying it look to be honest you mean should there be a change yeah I think that there is a a, a massive uh, movement if you will in in cricketing circles in India to have uh, Rahani kept in the Red Bull stuff and Rohit Sharma kept in the White Bull stuff and it's to do with things like player management and stuff like that like you look at for example, a great example is Rishav Pant. He did not play the first test when Virat Kohli was there. Mm. Yet, when when that captaincy turned over, he came in and he played the rest of the series and see how influential he was in mm. that series. It's about recognising people. There is a theory that Virat Kohli says it's okay because Virat's here. You know what I mean? Mm. There, there, there doesn't need the rest of the players, will pick whoever I want to pick because I'm there and will win the game. And regardless of Coley as well, th there's a shelf life to being a leader and a, and a captain. And there's also a phase that your side goes through. And I think he was probably the, the right man to lead India through this phase where they've got young players in. They have worked their asses off on their fitness and their fielding and got themselves to where 
they probably weren't um, in that respect through the course of the middle uh, 2010s or however you describe that um, that decade. Now they're at a point where they probably need a bit more of a nurturing rather than, you know, they need more of a carrot than a stick in terms of a leadership style mm. potentially. Um, and, and that might be an opportunity, especially Coley's just had, I think, his first child. Yep. Um, so a- again, you know, he's probably going to want to spend a little bit more time at home. And um, from all accounts, you know, Indian cricket captain is probably only second to Indian prime minister in oh, terms of, of that. Yeah, in, in terms of, of stature. Yeah. yeah, it's ahead of so, it. So it's, it's, you know, more pressure. It's, it's a perfect opportunity for them, I think. Well, it's not only that. It, it actually is the intimidation factor. You've, we talked about how many games the, these younger players have come in uh, to the Indian side and played, and it must be intimidating, you know, having to share a room with, with Virat Kohli. Like, you know, he's Virat Kohli. Perfect beard, perfect batting. You know, he's got it all. But going back to Virat Kohli, I think that we can see that when he was younger, when he was scoring those runs in those running battles with the Australians. I liken it to David Warner. When he was trying to be nice, he scored for, he scored no runs mm. when he was trying to be nice. When he when he got back on the bandwagon of what it means to be an Australian, he scored <laughs> runs. <laughs> on, on that wonderful note, I will jump in and just say, absolutely, India, that was trolling for Nathan Lyon. I think that was the, the absolute... <laughs> Perfect trolling. It was a wonderful gesture, and they picked the the greatest, the great moment to do it. But yeah, I, I think they definitely trolled him in that point. I think um, in our own uh, in our own praise of Joe Root, I think we should acknowledge a hundred Test matches, unbelievable effort. I think I said to you guys last time, it's it's come as a surprise to me that he's played that many Tests. I I still kind of think he's you know he's not he's not like at the end of his career or anything like that which maybe says something about how many tests England play and, and things like that as well. But, you know, I, when I did some, some statting on him and he he's like now 25th all-time in test runs. You look at every single person above him, they're all legends of the game pretty much. I saw something basically saying, uh, you know, at 100 tests, here's Viv Richards' record and here's Joe Root's record and yeah. they're almost identical. And you think about someone like Viv Richards as one of the greatest batsmen of all time. So... You know, I guess, yeah, not being an England fan, I, I, I've i never had him in the legends of the game kind of category. But, you know, has he reached that stage, Binksy? Yeah, look, dif- difficult for me to be dispassionate about this. But I, I do think that both Root, Alistair Cook and, and James Anderson don't get as much of a rap as some of the guys that they are relatively close to from a statistical perspective. And um, look, I I get that's because, you know, England are bloody arrogant and everybody hates us. Um, But to an extent, you can't not look at a guy's career like Root, who has had some setbacks. You know, he came to Australia in 2013-14, got found out, went away, worked really hard on his game. Mm. Um, You know, his ability to play away from home is, you know, is sensational. He's been chipped about his conversion rate, but, you know, you've just mentioned that comparison to Viv Richards and it's comparable to his, in in fact, an exact number of 50s. Um, Richards had got just a couple more hundreds, Mm. I think. So, look, I, I think if you add another 50 tests onto his career, it's going to be very, very difficult not to start putting him in those... Um, in those echelons, if he can keep anywhere near uh, anywhere near that average, um, I do want to go on and talk about changes to the sides. So India, what do they need to do? Um, England, um, look, I, I'm sure I'll come off the long one a little bit later on, but just Butler on a plane home, uh, Ben Folks um, into the side after Butler's probably had his best three games in a row with the gloves ever. He kept immaculately yeah, really nice that catch uh, off leech was very good um especially compared to you know pant who still you know d- does look as if he wears gloves for no apparent reason at some time <laughs> so look I, I think that that's a big thing for england but what what would you do if you were the indian um coach and, and captain in terms of selections for this next game coming up at the same ground uh, i want to almost think i think it's almost a, a mindset thing and and bring it back to that spin stuff i think the way that india played those spinners was was really strange to me and in comparison to England so England they used the sweep incredibly well and they basically manipulated the fields they controlled where India could bowl to them they had you know it meant that they had to have men out square and they couldn't just attack in various different ways India did not place the sweep at all and basically that meant that Don Bess and Jack Leach could bowl with men around the bat 
They could bowl with men straight, stopping the one, and they could also bowl with boundary riders. So you just had kind of three layers of of people all in the V almost, and it made it incredibly hard for even, you know, when Punt was trying to demolish Jack Leach out of the attack, that eventually did work. But, you know, they had to take a lot of risks to do that. And even, you know, even Gil, yeah, I just think that that mindset thing and the way they approach the English bowlers is probably the biggest change they have to make. I also, I don't think that you'll see the, the shot selection change. Those younger guys like Punt and mm. Gill, you'll see sweep shots from them. But the more established older guys, Kohli, uh, Sharma, Rahani they're, they're, Pajara. and Pajara, they're going to stand up, they're going to play, they're going to come down the wicket, mm. use their feet and, and flick it off their legs. But from a selection point of view, I think they just need to not panic. Uh, it's, not, it's not uncommon for a team in any sport that has come off a massive victory, a clutch victory, to, to have a down, a down, a down, a fall in the next game. A scheduled loss, they call yeah. that in America. So sport. I think they don't need to panic. There's still three games to go. They just need to go back to the basics. Well, India's got England exactly where they want them, don't they? Isn't this the, the blueprint that they had for the Aussie series? What, lose a test and then and then come home strong from there? Yeah, yeah they but, just need a couple of injuries. I, I, I think they need a wrist spinner. I, I, I genuinely think that a wrist spinner changes the complexion of that Indian bowling attack. Whether or not they um, they take Nadeem out and put Yadav in, um, whether or not they pick uh, Yuzvendra Chahal or someone like that, someone a little bit left field to add into their test side. I just think, um, assuming that Ravi Jadeja is not fit, because if he's fit, he's the first picked, a, a wrist spinner changes the complexion of the team and allows you to attack a little bit more in those situations where you might have a wearing pitch and you can get guys around the bat. It makes it a little bit harder to sweep a leg spinner, I find, sometimes. I was going to say that it's going to make leg, it a lot harder yeah, to, to play those shots. To play those shots and, and makes the batsmen change their game a little bit. So so if I'm India, I want to I want England to be thinking subtly about changing their game plan to, to what I'm going to produce as a bowling unit. Um, I think their fast bowlers... Are locked and loaded. I think they're ready to go. I don't think they need to make a change there. I think a subtle change in the in the shape of their spin attack makes a difference. I think they'll consider playing an extra batsman. I don't think they will, uh, but I think they'll consider someone like maybe Hanuma Vihari or someone like that to push punt down one and play four bowlers. I don't think they'll do it. I think they'll go with five bowlers and and, and go from there. Yeah, Banksy over over to the English the gloves as it just folks folks just steps in. Yeah, so I think that that's going to happen. I think that it's been telegraphed for a long, long time. I'd be very surprised if there's any change um, to that plan. From a statistics perspective, it doesn't actually make any difference to the side. Arguably, it's a better keeper and a guy with a better average. Um, I think even I would be pushed um, to suggest that that's really the case when you're losing a guy that's so influential um, on the game and around that group as well. Um, I absolutely agree, actually, with the, the fact that they've decided to do this. That you know they're taking preemptive action to get guys rests, regardless of the situation of a series. You know, it'd be very easy for them to say, "Mate, can you just stay on?" And maybe you miss might not come back in time for the T20s or the one dayers at the end of the tour. But I think it's right that they're looking at that player welfare piece. But I do think that it weakens our side coming into the next game. The other question, I think, is if they rotate Jimmy Anderson out, um, I tell you what, I wouldn't want to be walking down the hotel corridor, knocking on his door and saying, mate, we're going to be resting you come Friday. Um, but by the same token, I wouldn't want to be going to Stuart Broad's room and saying, mate, we're going to go with Jimmy for um, another game. I do see them maybe swapping out the pacer. So I think uh, potentially Joffrey Archer misses out um, in this game. And you might see a little bit of Ollie Stone um, coming in um, to the, the team. Um, I think that that might be a change um, that they make. Um, it would be very exciting. Get the voxel, voxel mallards in there. And then the, the only other thing I think I can see them considering, I don't think they're going to do this, um, but for me, um, I think if Moeen Ali hadn't have contracted COVID going into that Sri Lanka tour, he would be the off spinner on this tour right now. Um, I think they'll be, ta- you know, they might, might be considering whether or not, particularly with folks um, in the side um, for Butler and that weakening the batting um, and I use that phrase very carefully whether or not they said you know what Moen Ali had a fantastic tour of the bat uh, of India with the bat um, not too long ago 
is a genuine guy to bat at eight and can score you a hundred. Mm. Um, I think Best might score you a thirty or a forty. I don't think he's going to get you a Test hundred in India, um, so that might be another consideration. Um, but having said all of that, I don't think um, they do make um, that change. So I think they stick with Best. I think it's pretty much a straight swap um, for Butler. And then the biggest thing for me is whether or not they do um, knock on Jimmy Anderson's um, door. And from a predictions perspective, I still think it's three one to India. Binksy, what, what would you do in that bowling attack? Would you have Anderson and Broad? Would you have Anderson and Stone? Would you have Broad and Stone? What what would you go with from those from those two pace bowlers? And and do you know the status of Zach Crawley? Is he fit for this next test? And and will they change him in for Dan Lawrence or him in for Rory Burns potentially, do you think, at the top of the order? Look, I'm not sure on Crawley. He certainly was doing twelfth man duty. So I think, you know, he's he's probably shrugged off the 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 worst of that injury. I, I don't think they make a change there, to be perfectly honest. Um at, at this um at this stage. I think they'll like another look at Dan Lawrence and, and see um what he can do. Um I do think that they need the pace. So I, I don't see them going for a broad and Anderson from a seam perspective. Um I think it will be one or other of them. Um, and I do think they, you know, Joffre Archer proved in that first innings that little bit of extra pace made all the made difference. difference. Yeah, it did. Um, and whilst um, he didn't take the wickets um, in the second innings, and, and you know, um, he still did look oh, dangerous. Yeah, he did look dangerous, and he did look as if he had, um, you know, a, a game plan that was going to add to the way that the England guys bowled. So I definitely think they need that extra pace in the side. Before we wrap up the. Uh, the- it's certainly changed things for the World Test Championship. Obviously, a, a massive help to Australia uh, in making the in, uh, in their chances of making the final. England still would have to win 3-1, 3-0 or 4-0 in the series to, to get themselves in the final. But now that England has won a test, uh, India is going to have to win two out of the next three tests to make it. Otherwise, it's uh, it's Australia's Australia-New Zealand final in, uh, in, in June. So, yeah, it's... It's all to play for there, and I think because of that, probably we'll be seeing more result. You know, both sides are going to be motivated to be going for results, which is which is exciting. And that's the exciting part, right? Is both both teams now need result cricket to qualify for the final, and that's brilliant because the worst thing we want is both teams playing for draw cricket because that that won't entertain anyone. But it's brilliant; they it's doing its job. Do you think we'll see a, a pitch that resembles the Grand Canyon? Yeah, I was thinking that as well. Do Do India need to go look? We have players that can play on these trickier pitches in India. Should we make trick this this whole series, the rest of the series, really tough to bet on? I think you go back a week and you say absolutely, but you say that you see the way England played in this Test match. I don't necessarily think they can think we can ambush um, England with spin. Mm. Um, the, the big factor for me is bringing cool deep in because that changes the game. That really does uh, change the game with that uh, with that wrist spin. I think the other thing to factor in as well is we've got a pink ball test. Um, coming up as the third test. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think I'd rather have two bowlers other than Anderson and Broad with a pink uh, ball, probably other than Cummins and Hazelwood, as much as it pains me to say that, Michael. Boomer bowled pretty well in that pink ball test, though. Yep. I mean, Boomer is an excellent exponent of, of swing bowling, and you throw Ishant Sharma in there, and, and that's going to be a delicious matchup, that, that pace attack under lights with a pink ball. Uh, is that the third test? I think it might be that's the, the third, third test. test. And you, you want to get online and start right, watching and start, that as yeah. it starts because yep. it could be over by T on the first day. <laughs> and Baldy, Raj, any change to predictions? Is India still going to come strong in this series or, or have England just turned the tables too much? Well, I think that England will win one of the four tests mm. uh, in this series. <laughs> but well, look, that, I, that's, a good, <laughs> that's a great prediction. I, I, still, I still think India will take out the series. Um, look, it, it really, for me... It, it really was an eye-opener how England played in that first innings, especially how they batted and didn't panic. Because mm. uh, I was sitting there watching it, and I'm like, they're scoring too slowly. All that needs to happen is for it to go bang, bang, uh, and, and this changes. Rory Burns absolutely pissed me off in that first innings. Are, are we going to get a hot take from Binksy about his dismissal in the first innings? The reverse sweep? Don't want to talk about it. It's awful. <laughs> Oh, I, I, he's actually probably my favourite batsman at the moment in the world to watch because prior to hitting the ball, he, his his technique is an absolute mess. And then when he contacts the ball, he's just supremely balanced. His head is in the right spot. Uh, I just I really love watching him bat. So you're a big fan of Fawad Alam as well. Yeah, Fawad Alam and Rory Burns. <laughs> Rory Burns. He's I I love watching him bat. Um, but 
I was really surprised that they they absorbed that pressure and then just turned it back on India. Um, if they can continue to do stuff like that, uh, look, anything can happen. Goldie? Hmm. I think, based based on what I've seen from England, I think they've got another win in them in this test series, whether or not it's in the third test now. Because I kind of had pictured England being really competitive or winning that, that pink port test on the back of their seam attack. Um, I, I think it's actually looking like it's going to be 2-1, 2-2 now rather than 3-1 India, which is what I started with. So I think, I think Eng- England have another test win in them, particularly if they win the toss in the second or the fourth test. You know, if they win the toss and back big in the first innings like they did on the back of Stokes and Root and, and, and Sibley and the rest of them, I think they can win another test match. I think it's actually going to finish 2-2 now. Um, Nostraz Jamas, are you staying with... Your three-one prediction for India. What did you just call me? Nostraj Damas. Um, I, oh. I I think it will be India will win two or three-one. There you go. Yeah, and look, I yeah, I, if I had to select something, I'd go maybe two-one India. But I, honestly, I, I feel like I absolutely I just have no idea about these predictions. And England impressed me a huge amount. I really just did not think that their bowling could match India's batting at home, and they knock them over twice relatively easily, I think. So, you know, regardless of them winning the toss or not, I think if they can if they can bowl that way and, and India don't change the way they approach those English bowlers, they're going to be in for some trouble. Well, that just about wraps up the podcast. I would urge you to dip back, dip back into the back catalogue. I'm going to stick with my prediction of 4-0 India. Um, we'll, find out, <laughs> we'll, we'll find out how that goes um, on a future podcast. There's plenty more cricket coming up, so um, we're all stoked um, here in New Zealand that we are not in any form of quarantine or anything like that, so we're all recording um, in the same room and we'll be back very soon to talk more and more cricket as it goes through March Madness with lots going on um, in the New Zealand domestic and international game as well as tests all around the world and um, please direct a friend to the podcast or your club mates um, fire a tag in the social media we'll be sure to give you a shout out back um, as well but for now it's good night god bless and we'll see you next time